0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're gonna to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, when you look at your life and do an evaluation, you think about where's my life right now? What am I experiencing in life? And And you think, is my life where I really want it to be? Is it uh, something missing or something's negative or whatever? Would would you like to see your life change? Um, Maybe life seems like it's going pretty well. Would you like your life to continue to go that way and even to get better? Would you like to find as you live your life that you have this sense of peace and and this confidence in your relationship in God and and where he's taking you? and That life might be hard, but it's good. Is that the kind of life you want? Is Is there something in your life today that you say, man, this really needs to change? And maybe you know there's a change that's needed, but you aren't even sure what it is but just have a sense something needs to change. Well, the, the, the verse we're going to look at in Proverbs 19 today gives us a plan for that. It helps us to understand it and, and then gives us a plan for it. And, and as I... I mean, all the Word of God is profitable, okay? But as I studied this this week, it just became so clear to me that what we're looking at today is, has such practical application to all of our lives. And that it's pertinent all the time. Sometimes there's a passage of scripture that that becomes very pertinent at a certain point in time. This one's pertinent all the time. Really, really valuable. So that's what we're gonna focus in on today. And we wanna welcome those who are joining us uh, on the live stream or maybe watching the video later and we wanna join those who are listening on the podcast and trust that God's gonna use his word in your lives as well. How many of you remember the first car that you got that was your car? All right, now, how many of you at that point in time would say, I knew and understood all there was about taking care of a car? Not very many hands went back up. A lot of you may have been like me. I remember my first car, I got it and it was so exciting, and and actually my second car is probably where I learned this lesson, because the first car got traded in pretty quickly. But um, you know you have to change the oil in a car? <laughs> Any of you besides me learn that the hard way? Yeah, some of us learned that the hard way, right? How about checking the air in the tires? And the inflation of the tires and the, and the tread on the tires, right? Um, how about the wiper blades? They need to check the wiper blade sometimes. Anybody else besides me ever have a wiper blade come apart while it's going? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and the idea is that we need to be, if we're gonna have a car and have it work, and thankfully I've learned this, but you have to be proactive in caring for it, don't you? If you wait until the bad things happen, now you're already behind the eight ball and you already got the problem and it might get too hard to fix. You might not be able to fix it at that point in time. And so, with a car, we get it. We okay, you gotta take care of it, you gotta change the oil, keep track of the tires, the wiper blades, uh, anything else related, and you keep it, get it tuned up once in a while. You gotta be on top of that stuff. You gotta take care of the car. If you take care of a car, it's still a car. The cars break, don't they? But you take care of the car, it's gonna do much better. And, and, and it's gonna, you know, you can't be like I was. What's a car for it? You drive it, that's it. And you'll drive it right into the ground if you do that. Well, the same thing is true in our lives. Same thing is true in our lives. And so let's turn to the book of Proverbs and take a look at this. And so we wanna to talk today about this idea of soul care. Uh, how do we care for our souls properly. And and there's a lot more things that we could look at today, but we wanna focus in on what this passage is saying to us. And we only have one verse today. Proverbs 19 and verse number 16 says, he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. Let me read it again. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul. But he who is careless of his ways will die. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that sometimes such simple, straightforward statements have so much in them to understand and make such a huge difference in our lives when we understand it and then apply it to our lives. And I pray today that your spirit would teach us, that you would speak to us from your word, we would hear clearly from you, and we would know what to do, where to start, when we're done. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. What we want to do is make sure we understand this verse, understand what it means, what's actually being said there, and we'll work our way through that, and then we will go back and really look at our lives and say, how does this look in our lives? Okay, how would we actually apply this? So um, this uh, uh, verse here is... Remember we are taught you in, in Proverbs, sometimes they have parallel thoughts in verses, right? You know, they say one thing, and then they say the same thing another way with different words to give you a different way of looking at it. Uh, this is n- not what we would call parallelism. This is a, a con- contrast. Okay? It's, it's, it's going in two different ways. And, and so let's put that uh, slide up here. Here's what we have, okay? The first half of this, of each, let me back up. There's two phrases in this verse. The first one is what? He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul. The second phrase, but he who is careless of his ways will die and so the first half of each of those phrases is talking about an approach to life he who keeps the commandment that is an approach to life right and the second he who is careless of his ways that's an approach to life all right and then what's the result of that approach to life that's the other part he keeps his soul or he will die okay and so we have this contrast in the middle he who keeps the commandment what's the result keeps his soul but so there's our contrast Okay, we're looking at something different here, but he who is careless of his ways will die. And in this verse, we see that the first phrase is, is the positive idea. This is the good idea, right? This is the idea that we need and we should, should live by. And then the second verse is the negative. It's, wow, this is not good, okay? And so that's how this verse is laid out. So let's, let's work our way through the verse, and again, it said, make sure we understand. The first thing it says is, He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, the commandment, all right? When Proverbs uses the word commandment, I don't believe that it is talking just about one of the 10 commandments, okay? That isn't really the point, and it's not talking about maybe all the specific commandments in the law, although they would be included, But I think what we find is when the Proverbs talking about the commandment in in this general sense, it's really talking about all of the commandments, all of the principles, all of the ways of God that we find in the word of God. And and so uh, the word of God is what we're talking about here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right? For doctrine, the things that we believe and that we teach. For reproof, showing us those things in our lives that this isn't right, you know, this, this isn't good or right. Uh, for correction, saying this is what's right. And then instruction in righteousness, here's how you live this out in your life. And why is this? It says that, that we, the people of God, individual per- persons of God, we might be what? Thoroughly furnished to do all the good things that God has for us to do. That's what the scripture says about itself, okay? And so this is what he's talking about here when he says, he who keeps the commandments, it's the idea of of the whole word of God we're talking about. And we're gonna zero in on, on what it means to keep it in just a minute. But what I wanna say to you first of all is this. Let's be really clear on what this does not mean. When he's talking about keeping the commandments, he is not talking about trying to live by the word of God so that we might earn a right relationship with God. There's a lot of people out there today, maybe some of you here, who think that if I'm going to have a relationship with God, if God's going to be okay with me, if God is going to forgive me, if, if God is going to you know, take me to heaven when I die, I have to, to do my best to live by the commandments, and, and hopefully I'll do a good enough job that when all is said and done, the good that I've done has outweighed my bad, and I've, I've done okay, and God has said, well, all right, come on in. It doesn't work that way. Our relationship with the commandments... <laughs> Before we're right with God, it's not a pretty picture, because we've all broken the commandments of God, haven't we? And if we just want to talk about the Ten Commandments, have we all lived every day, every moment of every day is that God is God and nothing else is more important than Him? Have you lived that way? No. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever uh, decided you're gonna do with your days what you want rather than what God says to do? You ever said that, have you ever lied? I mean, we're going on through the list, right? We've broken the commandments of God. Have we loved God with our whole heart, mind, strength, soul? No, we haven't. Have we loved our neighbors ourselves all the time? No, we haven't. Uh, so we are in trouble with God. We are guilty before God if we want to talk about the, the commandments as a way to have a relationship with God. No, no, no. The commandments are what are saying, uh, demonstrating clearly that you don't have a relationship with God and that you don't deserve a relationship with God. What you deserve is an eternity in hell because you have disobeyed God time after time after time after time after time and lived a very self-centered approach to life no matter how you compare to other people you fail to measure up to God's standards so this does not mean that In fact this is where the gospel comes in isn't it the good news The yeah we've all messed up we've all blown it you know in our uh, how we lived our lives and and we're desperately in need of forgiveness and, and, but God is just. He can't just say it's okay. Well, don't worry about it. No, he's a just and holy God. Judgment must be done, which is why Jesus came. Jesus came into the world. The Son of God, excuse me, came into the world. The man Jesus And God as well, the Son of God. And and he lives this perfect and sinless life, dies on the cross. And as he dies on the cross, the Bible says that God takes the penalty for my sin and your sin, the sins of everybody who's ever lived or ever will live. And Jesus died paying the penalty for those sins. He who was innocent, he who was God, took our guilt, our penalty upon himself. And then rose again from the dead three days later, showing God had accepted that penalty sacrifice, and and he was victorious over sin and death. Uh, But so God has judged sin. He's judged your sin. He's judged my sin. He judged it in Jesus. But then he tells us that that we have a choice to make. And this is the one thing that I want to talk about when it talks about obeying the commands to have a relationship with God. We've already said you can't earn your relationship with God by obeying the, the commands, Correct. There's a phrase that occurs in the New Testament a number of times, it talks about obeying the gospel. Being obedient to the gospel. Now that probably means a lot of big things. But where it means as a starting point, it means that obeying the gospel means that you realize that you have sinned against a holy God and that you are in need of a savior. And, and so you believe that Jesus, who the Bible says he is, and that he died for your sin and rose again, and you, you place your faith in him to provide you with that forgiveness. And you accept his payment for, the, uh, for the, you know, your sin and, and you receive Christ as savior. That's how you obey the gospel. Does that make sense? Okay, we're not talking about trying to obey all the commands and earn a right relation with God. No, obeying the gospel means you just say, okay, God, I'm lost and I need you and I believe and you receive him as savior, okay? All right. So we see that it doesn't mean earning a right relationship, er, earning your relationship with God. You can't do that. That's something that you have to just let God do for you by receiving Christ as Savior. Um, But it does start, obviously, with obeying the gospel and going from there. Now, in this passage here, it says, he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul. Same English word, but in the Hebrew language, and and if you aren't familiar with this, almost all of the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, the Jewish language. Uh, uh, The New Testament was written in the Greek language. But so when when, uh, the Holy Spirit was inspiring this scripture as the authors wrote, he chose these words, but he chose two different Hebrew words. Now, it's not a wrong translation We have two different Hebrew words translated the same way in English because this English word captures those meanings. But the fact that there's two different words used in this passage that are very close to the same meaning, what we wanna do, and what I'm gonna do with you here is look and see. okay, since they're very close and very similar words, what's different about them? Because God chose to have those two words, and so there's distinctions here. Does that make sense? Okay, all right, so there's two words, and these words remind me of, um, I, I, I think of uh, killer whale names, I don't know. Shamar, right? I guess because there's been a Shamu somewhere? All right, Shamar and Natsar, okay? So the first word uh, uh, is Shamar, means three things that are distinct. I mean, there is an overlapping meaning, like I said, between the two, but these are the distinctions. One, it means to treasure in your memory. To treasure something. This is so valuable to me, so important. I want to remember it. I want to, I want to be able to recall it. And so we treasure it in that way. The next thing it means is to talk about keep is to stay within the boundaries of. To stay within inside the boundaries. Okay? So scripture, we want to treasure it, we want to remember it. We want to, to live within the boundaries of it. And then the third uh, meaning is to do what it tells you to do. Inside those boundaries, what does it say to live, how to live? I think of, of um, having kids and having a backyard with a fence. Okay, you have a, and you put the little kids out there to play, and you tell them what? Stay in the backyard. Now let me define for you what stay in the backyard means. It means stay on this side of the fence, okay? Don't climb over the other side of the fence and hang on that side and say you're in the backyard. No, what? St- now, you know, would you have to say that thing to any of your kids ever? <laughs> yeah, right? No, so stay inside the backyard, okay? And so that's the idea, stay within the boundaries. And then you tell them, and listen, you gotta get along with each other, <laughs> okay? No fighting, no hitting, no spitting on each other, no whatever the thing was going on in your household. Right? And so within that, there's certain ways to live. And so that's the same idea with the Scripture, right? Stay within its boundaries. There are things that the Scripture says, don't do this, don't do this. This should not be a part of your life, okay? We're going to stay inside of the boundaries, away from that. And then inside it says, you know, love one another. Love God, right? And it gives us ideas of how, to, not ideas, sometimes commandments, of how to live inside of those boundaries. And so that is what that word means. And so when we're thinking about Scripture then, we need to take scripture and do well with it? If we're going to treasure our memory, what do we have to do? We must learn it, right? You know, I, I just love it that you guys come. Most of you come on a regular basis. You come and listen to the word of God being preached and taught, and, and, and that is such an encouragement to me. It's a privilege to be able to bring the word to you. But if you're thinking that this is enough word of God for you, it's not that's not treasuring it that's not valuing it the way you need to value it you need to be taking it in on a regular basis you need to have some way that you're you're consistently an ongoing basis reading through the scripture you need to have a way in your life where you're actually you know maybe taking a little more time and and pondering it Uh, Saturday morning I I had some time it was really nice I sat there and I started on the book of Ephesians and I, I I read through that and i thought about it and i talked with god about it and then my mind read rabbit trails and anybody ever mind ever do that wander off on you and yeah, you had to call it back but that happened and and it took about almost two hours for those first two chapters and it was good very good so but there need to be times like that in your life where you're really you know Pondering and talking with God about and thinking about His word and what it means in life. And, and so you need to continue growing in. I mean, I encourage you to try to memorize verses. And I know some of you say I can't memorize anything. And and I get that, but the process of trying to memorize will change how you think. If you work hard on memorizing a verse in scripture, when all is said and done, and I say one day to you, hey, do you got any verses memorizing? You go, yeah, and you go, I don't know where it went. You know, or you kind of come as with part of it, but, but don't worry about that. Uh, the very fact that you took the time to try to memorize it and think about it, think what those words mean, and how does it apply together so I can remember it, changes the way you think. You're treasuring the Word of God and taking it in. And then again, the idea is, what does God say that I should not do? I need to remove those things from my life. And then how does he say on a proactive basis, I should be living, living with people, living in my job, living in my own thought life, living within those boundaries, what does he say, and and learn it. And and, um, how many of you think that, I mean, I've read the Bible multiple times. How many of you think that I have learned all of this and know how to do it all? Well, thanks for your high opinion of me. <laughs> no, of course I haven't, right? So this is an ongoing, ongoing thing in our lives. There's always something new. There's always something that may, we may have forgotten and be reminded of. So it's, a, it's an ongoing process. But so if we will do this, treasure in our memory, stay within the bounds of it, uh, do what it tells us to do, the scripture, it says that it will then keep your soul. And that's the other word for keep here. natsar. And it really focuses on on two things. It means to preserve. The second idea is to guard or keep safe from dangers. Okay? So it's telling us if we shamar the word of God treasure it, live within its boundaries, and and, and live the way he says within those boundaries. If we do that, it will not sour our souls. It will preserve our souls. It will guard us. It will keep us safe from dangers. Now, and what are we talking about here? He says soul, this is the, the normal Hebrew word for soul, nefesh, and it really means your whole being everything about you. You are a living being. That's what it's talking about. So it's talking about every part of your life, every area of your being, and all of it together. It's who you are. And so what he's saying here is if you will treasure, live within the bounds of, and live the way he says in the bounds of, you give scripture its rightful role in your life, it's going to protect you from so many things. Let's just just think about this. Let's let's use an easy example. Does the Bible say don't get drunk? That's not a trick question. Does the Bible say don't get drunk? Yeah, don't be drunken, right? Don't get drunk. You're not supposed to do that. How many people get killed because they got drunk? I don't know what the percentage is, but people get killed because they get drunk. And not just them, other people get killed because they get drunk, right? They get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car. All right. Well, if you follow the scripture, and he says, don't get drunk, and so you do what? You, you make it a point not to get drunk. Will you ever get in a car accident because you're drunk? Not a trick question. If you never get drunk, will you ever get in a car accident because you're drunk? Okay, you guys are awake now, right? <laughs> Simple ones? All right, if we go through a lot of things like that. If... if uh, Well, I'll hold on to this. We're going to come back to those and and make more applications of it. All right. So here's, we want to kind of summarize this. Valuing and living by God's word protects you then from many bad things. Valuing and living by God's word protects you from many bad things. And um, when I say bad things, I don't just mean things that make your life uncomfortable. I mean things that prevent you from glorifying God things that keep you from doing with your life what God wants you to do. Those are bad things. And he says here that we can be protected from that. We can be protected from those things. All right, so that is the positive side of this verse. Let's let's jump in and look at the negative side. Okay, so he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. He who is careless of his ways will die. Uh, Some key things we need to understand here in this this, uh, passage. When it says is careless of, it translates a Hebrew word that means to, and this is a word you probably use all the time, disesteem. Anybody use that word this week? Disesteem? No. Disesteem means the opposite of what? Esteem, good. Some of you got your grammar heads on here today. That's right, it's the opposite of esteem, and to esteem is to hold in high regard and to value and think as important. So to disesteem means to what? Not to value. To devalue, to hold in low regard, not to view as important. And so what we're talking about here, and and by the way, the word uh, ways is is the idea of a road walk down or a course of life, a mode of action. And um, so we're talking about here his ways. Go ahead and go to that slide if you would. Talking about his ways, um, it's, 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 in other words, it's how a person is living and where they're heading in life. The idea of our ways, okay? How are we living, what ways are we living, and where is it leading us in life? And so it's saying here, the person who is careless about how they live, the person who is, is, is not thinking it's important, it really doesn't matter how, that, how I live. In other words, if you think something is really important, do you try to remember it? If you think something is really important, do you try to pay attention to it? Yeah. And what we're saying is this is somebody who, asks, what's the big deal? I'm just doing this, doing that. I, and they aren't giving thought to, how am I living compared to what God says about how I ought to be living? What are my priorities? Well, what do you mean my priorities? I'm just doing what I feel like. Well, there's your priority, and it's not God's. But the idea of being careless of your ways, so you aren't thinking it's important that I think about how I live. It's about not giving thought to how's the way I'm living, where's that leading me, where am I heading with this? And so, by the way, how easy is it to live this way? How easy? Come on now, I'm not tricking you. Is it easy? Is it easy to live a life and be careless of your ways? I know you guys are saying no because you're thinking end result. I'm not asking you end result, I'm asking you right now. Which is the easiest to say, wait a minute, I gotta spend, what is God saying? And okay, that's different than what I feel like doing. That's different than what the world thinks. I need to, to figure this out, I need to do this. Or going, hey, I feel like doing so and so today. Which is easier? Being careless of your ways, that's right. You don't have to do anything to live a life that's careless of your ways. It's the way you live when you don't live the other way, okay? It is the natural way. So uh, we're talking about when you are not being diligent to think about, okay, how am I living my life, and how does that compare with the Scripture, and where is the way I'm living my life headed? Where is this going? And I I don't need to think about that stuff. What's the big deal? I'm I'm just having a good time. I'm not doing anything wrong, and by the way... A person who is careless of his ways, you might look at their life and not see any big sins. But the end result is the same. He who is careless of his ways will die. All right, now, what does that mean? Uh, Anybody know, anybody... And if it's you, you don't have to say. But does anybody know anybody who would say right now, I think, yeah, they're kind of living their life careless of their ways. Anybody? Can you think of somebody like Honest. Think of somebody like that? Are they still breathing? They didn't die? Scripture says they're going to die. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think we can uh, gain some instruction is when we, if we go back and look at how the Scripture first talks about people dying. So let's, let's go back in our Bibles to the book of Genesis. Uh, right at the very beginning of the Bible. And I, I forgot to tell you, if you don't have a Bible with you today, to grab one under the chairs there. And I'd really encourage you to do that now. If you don't have a Bible with you, pick up one under the chairs in front of you and turn to page three. We're gonna be on page three and four. Genesis chapter two. Talks about the creation of man. And in chapter two, the beginning, it gives us the specifics of how he created Adam and then how he created Eve but he gives them some specific instructions actually gives Adam some very specific instructions verse 15 of chapter 2 then the Lord God took the man Adam and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it so he gave him an assignment and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So within the boundaries, tremendous freedom. You can eat of every tree you want except for one. Here's the boundary, right? Not this one tree. And if you do, you what? Will die. Okay, there's our our terminology. Will die. So let's read on. Chapter three. Now the serpent... Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, we don't have time today to, to go into uh, this whole idea of her saying, "You neither shall you touch it, because God didn't say that. She's saying, and I think this actually creates problems. Another sermon, another time, okay? Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All right. Did they eat of the tree they weren't supposed to eat of? Yes. Did they die? Yes, they did. How do we know? Because God said, the day you do that, you will die. They absolutely died, and yet they are standing there, breathing and conscious. So what happened? Well, the very moment that they disobeyed God, they died spiritually. They died to God. They came with what the Bible calls being dead to God. They no longer had that access to the life of God in them they became spiritually dead and it immediately affected how they looked at life, didn't it? Before this, they are running around naked. Not giving it a thought. The moment that they eat, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with nakedness, but the moment they eat, all of a sudden they what? They become extremely self-conscious and go into hiding. They hide from each other, right? Cover themselves up. And only that, what else do they do? They hide from God. They have died spiritually. There's been this terrible thing that's happened deep down inside of them. And now it is affecting their life in really, really bad ways. And God says there's going to be lots of problems in the world because of it as well. If we go down to verse number 16. It says, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. In other words, you're going to look to your husband for something, but he's going to give you something different. Verse 17, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I command you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. You have been spiritually dead, you are spiritually dead, you have uh, experienced that in your own self Negative things from that the world is now negative things because of that and then eventually your body is going to die Your body is going to die Spirit died your soul started dying your your body will die But I want you to see is this is that this idea of death is connected with sin and all the problems that it brings Uh, everything that a relationship with God when we, when we are saved and we have his life in us, we have eternal life, right? And it's not just a length of life, it's a quality of life, it's his life. All the blessings of God come with this. You know, the, uh, all of the love, the joy, and the peace that comes with this. Uh, the purpose in life that comes with it. The ability to appreciate uh, the beauty of the things that God has made and understanding that. And on and on it goes. All the things that go along with a relationship with God and life From him, death is the absence of those things, right? Death is the absence of life. And so death brings the absence of those things. And so when he says, you will die, this person who is careless of his ways will die, what he's talking about is that every step that you live careless, it's like you're, you're stepping away from the life of God toward death and everything that goes with it. All the, and here's my, one of my rough words, all of the crud that goes with it. Bad stuff. Death. And so in your life, this is what you're looking at. and So this will die. Here We're talking about, and I think it's been on the screen there for a while, a progression away from the kind of life that God calls us to along with all of its blessings toward all of the bad things that come from and lead toward death. So there's our choice. That's our choice today, isn't it? Keep the commandments. Keep your soul. Experience the life that comes from that. Or be careless of your ways. Do your own thing. And experience all the junk that goes along with Death spiritual death, sin. okay I um, talked just a little more about this death, maybe to get you to understand what we're talking about. One day, a number of years ago, I walked downstairs into our, our basement, which is finished and with various there's three rooms down there and, and I I smell, it sounds like smells like really bad. So I start opening the doors. And I finally get to this one door and I open up and go, ooh. I can think, what is it? It's it's kind of a strange smell, but I think it might be smell like something that's died. It's kind of a mix between something that's died and garbage, you know how that smells? Garbage in the sunshine. Uh, bad. And so I look everywhere in the room. I can't find anything that would, you know, like someone's hid some food under the couch or whatever. It isn't like that. I can't find anything. And finally I I look and I think, I have a drop ceiling. And so I get a little ladder and I get up and I raise the drop ceiling. Mm -hmm. I almost throw up. It's that bad above the drop ceiling. And I said, what has happened up here? And I looked around and showed up, you know One little mouse had died. Really, one mouse. Got rid of the mouse, opened the windows and the smell went away. But what you see is that when you are careless of your ways, life starts to stink. It will eventually. It might not feel like that way initially, but it will. Because this is what death does. It's all the stuff that goes along with it, negative and bad. And so uh, here's your choice. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. It says this. It says, talking about the idea of living by God's word. It says, then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. It should say when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do you want to live that way? Is that the way you want your life to be? If you want your life to be that way, you keep the commandment and you will keep your soul. And that'll be your life. It doesn't mean it's always easy. It might be hard, but it'll be good. It'll be hard, but you'll be safe. That's our choice, or the choice to say, no, 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 I think I'd rather have the rotten, stinking life that goes along with death. What we're really seeing here is the principle that's in the New Testament, the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says that, that whatever a man sows, that he will also reap, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He who sows the flesh is being careless, thats being careless of your ways. Sowing the Spirit—that's keeping the commandment. And so here we have soul care. One one, you want to take care of your soul. You gotta keep the commandments. Don't be. Careless of your ways, and uh, let me just go over this briefly. Just a couple things applied. What would this look like in your relationship with God? We've already talked about that some, haven't we? Keeping the commandments means you're going to treasure His word. You're going to connect with God about His word. You're going to deal with the boundaries and how He says to live. And it's, it's going to the word of God is going to be. You're going to fill your life with it, and and the Holy Spirit is going to use it in your life to teach you, lead you, guide you. Okay, we see that. What does it look like to be careless in your ways with God? It'd be not doing those things, wouldn't it? It'd be not, well, yeah, I know. I don't, most of the time I don't get uh, up in time to read my Bible. Yeah, I find a minute or two here or there. You're being careless of your ways. Well, yeah, I know maybe this is something that you know, a lot of Christians wouldn't do, but I don't think it's a big deal. And Careless of your ways. But what would this look like in your marriage? You keep the commandment. You say, okay, God, what is my role in marriage? What is it you're telling me to do? You're telling me to respect. You're telling me to lo- uh, love and and. Tell me we to be submissive to each other and what does that look like and, and living that out and then you work through it and you, you forgive the way the scripture says and you, you serve the way the scripture says in your marriage and you're working on this. When you're careless of your ways, you're what? You're not working on it. You're just going along. Where does that lead you? To that stinking, rotten corpse of a mouse. That's where it leads you. We talk about this in your job, in your finances, in your other relationships. You see, I mean, it just applies everywhere, doesn't it? I want to challenge you uh, today. I tell you to put the truth on the right side of the butt. Okay, some of you may not heard this idea. We have a statement, and we go, da, 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 but, the little, and I say, you want to put on the right side of this, but, the word but the things that, you, that need to control your life, the things that you need to live by, the realities that you need to say, this is for me. And, and so, it's interesting, this verse says, he who keeps the commandments keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. Nothing wrong, that's fine, it shows the contrast perfectly. What I want you to do today, though, is to make a decision, you're gonna live, approach this verse like this. He who is careless of his ways will die, but, He who keeps the commands, keeps his soul. Even more, we're going to personalize this. If I am careless of my ways, I will die. But if I keep the commandments, I will keep my soul. Evaluate where you're at with this today and then make a determination to start keeping the commandments. Are you with me on that? Is that the kind of life you want? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer here. Father, thank you for your word. Again, that you speak so plainly to us in it, so powerfully. Lord, convict us of every one of those areas in our lives where we're just being careless. We're not being diligent and thinking about how should we live this part of our lives, Lord? challenge us today, Lord, to get serious about keeping your commandments, to get in your word, learn what you say, and try to live by it, talk with you, get help, get taught. Not to beat ourselves up because we aren't perfect, Father, but we keep growing, keep learning, keep growing. We're not being careless, we're being diligent to, to live your way. And Lord, in each and every way where we might be being careless of our ways, please show us Please bring us up short. Please cause us to see that the way we're living is leading us somewhere, and it's somewhere we never want to be. Help us, Father, to sow to the Spirit that we might reap the good things of the Spirit. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Thank you. You are Dismissed.